You guys are excited, excited to come and hear what God has. Um, uh, and I, I want to just real quickly while you're standing, uh, if you, if you please, like when, when, when Stacy comes, he'll actually be here tomorrow, but Sunday she'll be at church. When she comes, um, you know, I don't know how many people raised their hand to receive cards because I wasn't looking, but, but I don't want to give her like 10 cards. I mean, you know, we should give her like a hundred cards. So if you, if you thought, oh, I wonder if I should do that, nah, she'll get plenty. Could you please do that? I mean, we really want to bless her with just a at a girl or a high five or whatever. Um, also, a, a prayer request here for Dario Valdez's boy. He's um, his, uh, his, uh, in Australia, his YWAM discipleship training school is starting a 24-5, 24-hour, five-day fasting, worship, and intercession. And so... Um, uh, and he's going to be playing worship and his eyes starting to droop again. So uh, if you guys are familiar with that, when that happened, you want to be praying for that. So I share that with you so that you can be praying. And we'll do that in, in just a minute um, as we pray uh, for God's word to, to, uh, to speak to us this morning. So, Lord, a few things that we want to lay before you. We're first and foremost grateful for your presence because there's nothing special about a bunch of people coming together uh, in a room. Uh, I was in a, a stadium or a, uh, uh, a, g- a basketball gym yesterday, and there was a bunch of people gathered together, but it wasn't in your name. What's special about people gathering together is Jesus, you being here. And uh, that, that you said that whenever we gather together in unity, and we're in unity now, Lord, we're confessing that to you, that you would be in our midst. Uh, Lord, it's not just about coming together, but coming together in unity. You're here. And so you transcend time. And so you're able to be here with us right now. We don't take this time lightly. And we ask you, God, to, uh, to hear our, our cries. There might be some here this morning that, that just took everything within them just to get here. Lord, would you hear their cries? Lord, would you hear our cries on behalf of our, our young brother, Dario, who is... Who is uh, 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 needs a breakthrough, uh, Lord, would you, would you do something miraculous before he leaves Australia? Uh, Father, we, um, we pray that you would speak by your Holy Spirit, Lord, that, that Peter said, you have the words of life. Uh, 2,000 years ago, and, and today, how much more, Lord, do you have the words of life? And so as we, as we unpack this book, book of James, God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts and we receive it in advance in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Give someone a high five and have a seat if you would, please. Um. I heard a new word this week. It's preemptoriness. Preemptoriness. Um, and here's what it means. Subject to no further debate or dis- dispute. Final and unassailable. A preemptory decree, not allowing contradiction or refusal. An imperative. The officer issued preemptory commands. Offensively self-assured. Offensively self-assured, imperious or dictatorial, 
Uh, and then this last definition I like is kind of funny. It says, a swaggering, preemptory manner. So if someone has a swaggering, preemptory manner, you could just call them Swaggy P. I thought that was kind of cool how that worked out. Oh, Lakers. Uh, not knowing that Lakers anymore, right? But Swaggy P, right? Um, it, is, it is so self-assured that you're offensive. <laughs> it's like, it's like, anyway, preemptoriness. James has been challenging us in a number of ways if we'll take the challenge to heart. So one of the challenges is the royal law of love. And we've been asking ourselves each night, hopefully, maybe a little bit more real time. I find that I really can't wait till the night to ask if I violated the royal law of love. And the royal law of love is, am I loving others the way I love myself? Am I loving others out of my love for Christ? And have I violated that? Because I find that if I'm, if I'm listening, the Holy Spirit will tell me every time I violate it. Secondly, uh, we learned that death and life are in the power of the tongue. Words matter. I was uh, uh, in a group of, of athletes this week. Uh, there's a ministry at UNLV on campus called Fellowship of Christian Athletes. And uh, they have 30 to 50 athletes who come and hear the gospel message every week. And in true college context, there, there is food there. So that's a big draw. That's a big draw. Every week there's food because you got to have food. Let's just, 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 hey, you want to get college students together? Here's what you got to have, food, okay? And Jesus too, but let me tell you, the tacos were banging. They were. Taco Naco was in the house. It's a done deal. Y'all understand. Um, but uh, we were talking about words and the power of words. And the question was asked, well, do you pay attention to words and songs? And, you know, various students answered various ways. And I thought, of course words matter. I mean, like, think about rap music. Like, if, if, if you listen to rap music, how can you say you don't care about the words? Because it's all about the words. Of, of course, words really matter. And we can be speaking life or we can be speaking death in the power with our words. How are we speaking? Because our words matter. Uh, is the wisdom that I'm living today, is it wisdom from above or is it wisdom from below? And we contrasted the two. Last week we learned, am I submitting to God? Because the formula is just this. If I submit myself to God, then I can have the power to resist the devil. That's authority. And if I walk in that authority, he must flee from me. It's not my authority. It's, it's delegated authority. It is God in me because of my submission to him, which is that's where it starts. If I'm not submitting to God, I can't resist the devil and he won't flee from me. But if I'm submitting to him in whatever areas I need to, I can resist and the devil must flee. After that, James warns the church about judging others and how easy it is for the church to do that. And he says, you make yourself a judge of the law when you judge others. And this is not saying there isn't a time for correction or a time for speaking the truth in love. But some people think they have the gift of correction. And it's like, no, you don't. You're obnoxious. Okay. That's not a gift. You know, but what he was talking about was how, we, how, how easy it is for us to judge others. I was listening to uh, Greg Laurie, one of my favorite guys, Riverside represent. Um, and uh, 
he was talking about Kanye West and talking about uh, how he's having these church services at the Fabulous Forum. And if you're from SoCal, you know the L.A. area, you know the Fabulous Forum. And, you know, he's packing it out every week. And, uh, um, and he, was just saw, he was sharing some of the quotes that Kanye was saying about, about the, the role that Jesus played in his life. And then he said this, speaking of judgment, that some people were like, yeah, well, yeah, but is it authentic or is he really following Christ? And Greg Laurie, who's an evangelist who speaks to tens of thousands of people at a time, says, you know what? Shut up. <laughs> that was awesome. And he said this. He said, I'm for anyone who makes movement to Jesus regardless of their platform. And I thought, you know what? That's a good way to look at that. I understand the man is being discipled uh, by someone and, and maybe even a group of people. So, so that's good. Um, judging others. And, and, then, and then now, James, today we're going to talk about self-confidence. Self-confidence. Um, this is what he says in chapter 4, verse 13. Look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We'll do business there, make a profit. How do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like the morning fog. It's here a little while, then it's gone. What you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Otherwise, you are boasting about your own pretentious plans, and all such boasting is evil Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Have you ever played God? I'm not talking about like, yeah, when I was in high school, man, I was in my uh, drama class and I played God. And, no, no. I mean like play God. Like, uh, like we had this old expression in, you know, back in the day, if something was like not authentic, like it was, it was, it looked like a leather jacket, but it really wasn't leather. We used to call it play leather, <laughs> or for some others, pleather, right? Man, that's not real. That's a play watch or, you know. You ever played God? There's a story in the Bible in Acts chapter 12 of a guy who was listening to his own press releases, and he thought he was God. So it's the story of King Herod. He's a man who has no semblance of a relationship with God. And he's, uh, uh, he's got an audience of people from Sidon and Tyre. And, and he comes out in all of his splendor and glory. And he, and he shares, he speaks to them. And then it says in verse 22, after he speaks, the people gave him a great ovation, shouting, it's the voice of a God, not a man. Um, I just kind of, you know, he does his spiel and his amazing oratory powers. And it's like, oh, he's a God. He's not a man. And I picture him going, no, no, no. I'm oh, okay. Okay. I'm a God. Really? You guys, you know, I'm, I'm all that. And he's all excited because the people think he's a God, right? But then it shifts very quickly. In verse 23, it says, Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with a sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. That was fast. 
And then it says, so he, just like matter of factly, in case you ever wonder what happened to Herod, it says, so he was consumed with worms and died. Could you imagine the conversation? Hey, whatever happened to, you know, God, Herod? Oh, did you hear? Yeah, man, he got a bad case of worms. Yeah, he gone. What? So much for being a God. Ouch. And then it says this, to contrast that, it says in verse 24, Meanwhile, the word of God continued to spread, and there were many new believers. That's an interesting contrast there. You know, like, we play God, not all the time, but we can do this too, because you might be thinking, I would never assume the role of the Almighty. Yeah? You ever said this? Uh, Well, here's what I think. There's no way God's going to do that, ever. That'll never happen. It won't happen in a million years. Oh. Oh. Are you speaking on behalf of God, or are you playing God? Well, I know what the Bible says about me, but I have a hard time believing it. Mm. Anyone ever played God in your life? Jesus loves you, and I have a plan for your life. First service was very nervous about that one. I don't know. You guys seem like you just took that right in. Nehemiah is building a wall around Jerusalem because walls were important in ancient cities. If you didn't have a wall, you didn't have a city because you had no defense against the enemy. He's on assignment from God. God told him to go do this. And he's got haters. Let me just say this. Anytime you do anything for God, you will have haters. I promise you that. In fact, if you're doing the work of God and you don't have haters, you might not be doing his work. Because haters will arise from without and from within. You can't do that. You can't have church at the, at the fabulous forum. What kind of church is that? Okay, there's 10,000 people there. So what? Haters. And usually the people I find, not always, but the people who are haters are people who do nothing but hate <laughs> on people who try to do stuff. Anyway, he's got haters. This is what it says in Nehemiah 4 too. These guys think they're God. What does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they're doing? Do they think they can build the wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones uh, from a rubbish heap? The char- and charred ones at that, verse 3, Tobiah the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone would fall, would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Haters. It's like, are, who made you like the judge? Who made you God? Here's the interesting thing about the wall. Those two guys and all those haters, they long gone. You can go to Jerusalem today and still see the foundation of that wall. So much for the fox trampling on it and knocking it down. Chuck Swindoll says this. It's not too difficult to find out why we're so eager to play this game. Since the day Satan subtly manipulated Adam and Eve into playing his rebellious game, game, all of us have been born with a natural passion for wanting to be God in our own lives and the lives of others. Maybe sometimes we say it like this. Well, him, he plays by his own rules. Or, 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 or her, she lives life on her terms. Well, that guy over there is his way or the highway. Is it comfortable to be around people like that? 
I mean, do people like that have loving family around them? I don't know. You know, I, I mentioned uh, I, was at, uh, I was at the UNLV game uh, yesterday. I should clarify that. I was at the basketball game. <laughs> no, n- n- I'm just saying. Uh, and, and, uh, and, you know, they played a close game. They, uh, they were in it, but they're new and they're young, and it takes time to build chemistry. I don't care what context you're in, athletically especially, it takes time to build chemistry. And where that shows up is at the end of games. So they end up losing in overtime against Kansas State, which was okay, but they're not that great. And, 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 and they should have won, but, what, but because they have no chemistry, they fall apart at the end. And so we'll see that this year, plus a new coach, a new player. Anyway, I digress. So uh, <coughs> let me get into this whole coaching spiel. They're like, all right, we got it, all right? You know, now get out there and play. No, I'm just kidding. But I was thinking about this. Imagine yourself playing on a team where you made your own set of rules. Like imagine if you just went to practice whenever you felt like it. Coach says, hey, man, notice you weren't in practice yesterday. Yeah, coach, honestly, I was not feeling it. Hmm, okay. Or you play in some games and not in other games. I know, sounds like the NBA, but let's move on from that. (laughs) Or you shoot whenever you want, right? He's like, I'm open. Why'd you shoot that shot? Well, because I was open. Eh, wrong answer. Um, coach calls a play. You disagree with it. So you run out and gather everybody and say, check it out, man. We're not running that play. We're running this play. Well, coach just said, I don't care what coach said, man. He, listen, trust me. It's like, <laughs> okay, man. Uh, how about <laughs> you play by your own rules? Uh, what would it be like to coach a player like that? What would it be like to play with a player like that? I mean, like, I'm just, I just was thinking this yesterday, thinking, like, if, 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 if I was a coach and a player was like that, I'd be like, oh, okay, listen, man, this ain't going to work. Okay, look, listen, sit down. In fact, sit down at the end of the bench. In fact... Give me your jersey because you're not playing on this team with that attitude. You understand? And I wonder sometimes when I try to play God, play God if God's like, oh, sit. Well, I don't know. We'll see. Don't go anywhere. It gets better. Those who live this way imagine themselves as the final authority over their life, then live however they please. They take God completely out of the equation and live their life as if God doesn't even exist. Now, I have to tell you, that sounds like someone that I know. Me. Because before I was a follower of Jesus, I never consulted God about anything. I never asked I was never thanked him for meals. I never said, God, what do you... I never, ever. I never read the Bible for the most part. I never... I lived my life as if God didn't exist. Now, if you would, if you would have asked me, do you believe in God? I would have said, well, yeah. And Jesus died for my sins. Easter, Hello. 
Where are you from? I did not know God. And I lived my life as though he didn't exist. Never asked him anything. Unless I really, really needed his help. Okay, God, I know you're up there. Uh, I need your help. (laughs) Uh, Does that sound like anyone you know? And you know what? Here's the next part. If I'm not careful, that can sound like me today. Because, Because... that's my go-to play. When, you, when you're watching sports and a team needs a touchdown or a basket or whatever sport it is, it's like, okay, they've got a go-to play. You know, there's, there's eight seconds left and they haven't played, they haven't run this play all game, but now we're going to see their, their go-to play and they run some play and, you know, maybe they're successful, maybe they're not. But, but for me, my go-to play is selfishness. And if I'm not careful, I'll do that every time. So here's the good news. The person sitting next to you is just as selfish as you are. Go ahead and point at him right now. Ha! I was hoping he'd say that. Ah! <laughs> Unless we're talking about my wife who is not here today or Mom Shirley. There's a whole other story. There would be no pointing at her. Chapter 4, verse 13, look here, you who say today or tomorrow we're going to a certain town, we'll stay there a year, we'll do business, and we'll make a profit. Choosing your own time and schedule today or tomorrow, selecting your own location, a certain town, stay there as long as you want, we'll stay there a year, arrange your life around what you want to do, oh, we're going to do business we're going, to do, we're going to do this. Here's what we, we're, going to, we're going to leave tomorrow. We're going to go here. We're going to do this, this, and this. We're going to be about our business. And you predict your profit and tell others how successful you, we're going to get paid. We're going to get paid. I got it all worked out. Here's the whole thing, right? That's called horizontal planning. Is it wrong to plan? Of course not. Our God is on plan. He's a God of purpose. He's always on purpose. Ephesians 5.15 says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And he says, Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Biblical foolishness or the fool in the Bible has nothing to do with academic excellence. Because the fool has said there's no God. And so you could be intellectually very intelligent, but biblically very foolish. Because you don't believe in the existence of God. That's not a value statement, by the way. People hear that and they think, oh, man, dude just called me a fool. I knew I shouldn't. No, 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 no. The Bible says that kind of thinking is foolish thinking. It has nothing to do with your value because you're wonderfully made. You're of infinite value and God loves you. 
But the Bible says that's foolish. Therefore, if you think foolishly, you're a fool. Our plans are always to be made according to his will, acknowledging his sovereignty in our lives. Poole says this, this attitude that James challenged goes far beyond making wise plans for the future. And what he says is, 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 it's not let us go, but we will go. And it's in the indicative mood, which is a, a statement of fact. Oh, oh, hey, God, you know, have you prayed about it? Why would I pray about it? I've already made my mind up. This is what I'm doing. Uh, noting the uh, preemptoriousness of their purposes and they're presuming upon future times and things which are not in their power. We believe that God is sovereign. That means we believe that God is in control and that we are not. Now, is it every minute thing God is in Okay, listen, whether you do Taco Tuesday or Burrito Wednesday, I don't think, I mean, like, if you got to pray about that, we probably need to talk about your Christianity you know, if you're in line at Starbucks and you're like, oh God, should I get the carmi, uh, caramel macchiato or the mocha chocolata, yeah, yeah, I don't, I have no idea, Lord. I, I can't, I need wisdom. It's like, bro, get to the end of the line because all the coffee overachievers are about to throw this place upside down because of you. <laughs> have not gotten the mocha chocolata yet, yeah, yeah, yet, not God, yeah, it's not there. God is all-powerful. That means he's omnipotent. Um, James tells us this because he says, Submit therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Why? Because God's all-powerful and he has power over the enemy. God is everywhere at the same time. He's omnipresent. James says, draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Well, if God's drawing near to me in Las Vegas, how is he going to draw near to somebody else in Australia or someone in Germany or someone in wherever? How, how can he do that? Well, it's because he's outside of, of that. God, God created the time-space continuum. He, he spoke matter into existence and energy when it wasn't there. God is... God knows everything, so he's omniscient. So we're talking about uh, whose time is it and why we should be on God's time and not our own time. One is because he's all-powerful. We, we believe that, and we believe that he's omnipresent. David said, where can I run from your spirit, God? If I go to the, to the, to the highest mountain, you're there. If I go to the, to the deepest of the depths, you're there. And, and he said, I was skillfully wrought in my mother's womb, which means, Lord, you, you knit me together you created me inside the womb. How would David know that before microscopes and ultrasound and all of that? How would he know that that baby in the womb was a human 3,000 years ago because God created it? And he leaked that to David, but we already knew that. He's omniscient, which means he knows everything. James 1.5 says, but if any of you... Lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives to all generously and without reproach and it will be given to him. 
So therefore, because of all of those things and more, we believe that God is in control of all things. That's why he's able to work things together for good. God doesn't say all things are good. No, there are things that are terrible. There are things that are horrible. Uh, We yesterday had this conference here for three hours with experts in human trafficking and, 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 the, and the, the, the dangers of the internet uh, uh, and, and, and what those people were talking about, the statistics and the numbers and the things that are happening in our city, Las Vegas, is, is in the top five human trafficking destinations in the world. That's not okay. And there are people, praise God, who are on the front lines making a difference, saving not just children, but but adults, women, boys, even uh, every day. And we say, pray. and you know what? That is not okay. It's not okay. By the way, if you want to see that seminar, if you weren't able to make it yesterday, it was, it was amazing. It is on our website, livinggracelv.org. You can get all that information. I mean, we had some, we had, there were some people in here who were speaking who were walking in the authority of God in this situation and are literally on the front lines. And it's fascinating what they're doing to save lives. I encourage you to check it out. That's not okay. We believe that in the midst of that, God works all things together. For those who love him and are called according to his purposes, why? Because he's in control of everything. And some of you could look back and you could say, there was a time in my life when I wasn't walking with him where, where you know what, realistically, I shouldn't even be here. You know, this situation happened, that situation happened, and then one day I came here and my eyes were opened and I became a follower of Jesus. Now I look back, I think, Lord, you saved me, you spared me, you were there when I thought you weren't, you've always been there because you're in control of all things. And you knew that this day would come. So we, so we want to be on his schedule. We say, God, it's your time. James chapter 1 verse 12 says, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who loved him. How can he promise that? Because he's in control of all things. He will give rewards, Jesus will, out to the church in, in that day. So those are reasons why we should be about his time and thinking not just horizontally but vertically. So Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5.15 says, Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise. How do you live a wise life? Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Verse 5 and verse 17 says, Don't act thoughtlessly. There you go. That's how you live a wise life. Don't act thoughtlessly. And I tell you, young people especially, it is a wise young person who thinks before they act. Because I have done my share of funerals for young people who acted and didn't think, and they are no longer here. And I'm telling you, they didn't have to die, but they chose not to think. And they got themselves in a situation that they could not get out of. And I hate it. That's a wise person. 
Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. What is he talking about? James is saying the danger of horizontal planning is planning life as if God doesn't exist. Here's six reasons why, why we don't include God in our plans. What's the first one? You already know it. You pointed it out to the person next to you. We're selfish. The number one, re- I think, the number one reasons we don't include God in our plans is we're just selfish. This is like, I'm just going to do it my way, man. That's why. Have you asked God? No. Why not? Well, I'm just, you know, I don't know. Just going to do it my way. I think another reason is fear. We're afraid of what God might say. Oh, but I really love this person, and I really want to marry them. What's God saying? I don't know. Translation, I'm afraid to ask because he might say no. Ah. Listen, if it ain't God's choice for you, you do not want to be with that person. Oh, even the married people are agreeing. Y'all ain't supposed to agree with that. Someone like, yeah, amen. Hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. Preach it. <laughs> Come on, Pastor. Say it. Tell the truth. Serious. It's a serious deal. How sometimes we don't include God because of habit. It's not in the habit. See, because if I'm going to God just on a regular basis, just to just just to love on Him and to be with Him and to receive from Him, then I'll be in the habit of going to Him when I when I really need to go to Him. Does that make sense? Because that foundation's already been laid. Sometimes we we don't go to God because of prosperity. Things are great, and we're balling. Business is booming, man, we're doing great. How's your devotional life? I don't have time for that right now. Too busy making that money. (sighs) Sometimes I'm just not desperate enough. You know what it's like when you're desperate. As a friend of mine said, his, his financial situation changed overnight. And when he considers how he's going to pay his bills... He says, I, 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 I get, I, I start to, I get dry heaves, man, because I'm, I'm so, and he's a man of faith, and he's like, I'm just so, like, ugh, how am I going to do this? God, how are you going to do this? Whew. I, I sometimes don't include uh, God in my plan because I don't know how to hear from him. I, I just don't know how to hear from him. Like, how do you do that? You know, God speaks to everybody else, but he never speaks to me. There's a fundamental issue there. So I want to give you just a real quick example of how simple it can be and yet how how profound. Uh, We're in Acts chapter 15, and I'm going to be in verse 36. But uh, (coughs) um, Paul and Barnabas are, are, are in Antioch. And they're sitting at a, at, a, at a Starbucks having some coffee, chilling, talking about all that God has done. And it's like, yeah, man, um, yeah, let me get a, a, a double um, a mocha chocolata. Um, and, uh, yeah, and, 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 and then, and then um, just like, like, like they've already preached the gospel. They've already done their first missionary journey. And, and this is how the second great missionary journey of the amazing Paul the Apostle happens. It's profound. Are you ready? Listen to, the, listen to the deep theological backdrop behind this. Because they're serious and they're, they're, they're into it. This is their livelihood. 
And then it says in verse 36, After some days Paul said to Barnabas, Let us return and visit the brethren in every city in which we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Hey, Paul, I was thinking, you know, I'm kind of missing the fellas. Let's just go, let's just go visit them. Let's do it. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Um, now, there's a bit of an issue that arises if you're familiar with this because Barnabas wants to take John Mark with them and Paul's not having it. And the, and the Bible says they got into a sharp disagreement. I mean, like they're in Starbucks and they're arguing. Like, you know, like Barnabas is the son of encouragement, so he's got that gift of compassion. And he's like, no, man, listen, okay, I know he deserted us, but that doesn't mean he's going to do it again. And Paul's like, hey, once a deserter, always a deserter. I'm not going with him. Are you with me or not? And it says they had this sharp agreement. People are getting, the, getting their kids out of Starbucks. Oh, those guys are going to fight. They're mad about some guy named John Mark, and he must have done something really bad. And they, they're such a split between them that, 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 that Barnabas goes one way and, and, and Paul and says, well, Silas, I'm going to take you, man. And they like have the split. It's like, does that make you uncomfortable to think that Paul argued with someone like that? Doesn't make me uncomfortable because that's life. Gives me hope. Verse Chapter 16, verse 6, this is what I wanted to focus on. It says, and they, 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 they're on their journey. And they're, off they go, going to visit the bread. And, and they, um, it says in verse 6, and they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region. But it says, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. Ah, Asia? Don't you think the gospel needs to go to Asia? It's like Paul says, it's like a close that we can't. Oh, okay, so... And it says, and, and, and when they had come to Messiah, they were trying to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And, and coming to Messiah, they, they, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A certain man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. And when he had seen, uh, when he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, why do I share that with you? We're talking about doing things on God's timeline, on God's schedule, and including God in our plans. You almost get the idea that Paul and Silas are heading in one direction, and, and, and they're not really sure if this is the way to go or not, but they go, and the doors close. And when Paul the apostle says the doors close, it's closed. And so he's like, well, all right, let's go this way. And, and they go another way, and that door's closed. Now, on the outskirts, some people might judge and say, they, what, what are you guys doing? I mean, we're sending you support. You don't even know where you're going. <laughs> people just are so harsh. Like, would you relax? Ali. And so they, so they, so they make their way uh, uh, down uh, uh, off, off to, 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 to Troas. Uh, uh, or, or, or they're, they're heading in the direction the Lord closes, the Holy Spirit closes another door, so they're off to Troas. And then it says, uh, uh, well, then they, 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 they're so in the flow of the Holy Spirit and surrendered to his will that they believe that God will guide them along the way. I mean, they're so connected with him that they're like, no, we're just going to go. And we believe that as we go, that the Spirit of the Lord will direct us. Yeah, you might remember if you're over 50, the cars that didn't have 
power steering. And the old saying was, a moving car is easier to steer. Young people are like, okay, what are you talking about? I'm like rolling like this and you talking about it. <laughs> Can't even imagine the, yeah. And the point was is that as they got moving, they, they, they were being led by the Spirit. This door was closed. So they go the other direction, basically. And, 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 and that door's closed. Okay, let's go that way. And they're just flowing in the Spirit. You know what that also tells me? That, that tells me that even... A guy like Paul the Apostle isn't exactly sure what God's up to. But he keeps moving. Does that make sense? Not always exactly sure. But he keeps moving. Because it says in Philippians 2.13, For it is, not, it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work, that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. See, see, so because Jesus is in me, he works not just on the outside by opening and closing doors. He works on the inside. And he begins to prepare me. He begins to uh, 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 cause me both to will. So he works on my want to. And then, and then he works on my ability, and then he works on the exterior so that I can begin to carve out what he has for me. And it's all relatively simple sometimes, but we make it so complicated, like, like it's, it's this or that, and it's not always like that. It's not like that. Does that make you feel, if you're, make you feel like it's okay to not really know what's the Lord's will for your life. I don't know. Oh, how could you not know? Because I just don't know, man. I'm just trying to figure it out. That's okay. Because these guys end up in Philippi, chapter 16, verse 13. <clears throat> it says, and, and they end up in the city of Philippi, uh, Asia, I mean, uh, Europe. So, so they're in Europe now. And this is the first time the gospel is going to be preached in Europe. And they're going to have a church service. And it's like, there's going to be thousands of people saved. And this amazing evangelist, Paul the Apostle, Silas, let's go to the riverside. Because that's where you went on Sabbath. If there wasn't a, a, a synagogue in the city, you go to the riverside on Saturday. And so, so off they go. And it's like, oh man, there's going to be thousands of people here. Just watch what God does. This is going to be huge. They're going to be reading about this for thousands of years. Well, yes, but that's not what happened. Chapter 16, verse 13 says, And on the Sabbath day they went outside the gate to, the river, to a riverside, uh, to a riverside uh, where they were supposing that there would be a place of prayer. And they sat down and began speaking to the women who had assembled. Well, there's not a lot of movement in this place. But praise God for the godly women who showed up. I got to tell you, guys, hear me out. FCA huddle at UNLV, 23 girls, 7 guys. Which, if you're a guy in college, you know, hey, 
yeah, yeah, just, you know. Maybe it's a secret on campus, I don't know. The seven dudes ain't telling nobody else about it. And the girls' volleyball team wasn't there, so those numbers are skewed. Mission Field, according to the people that I talk to, it's about seven to three. For every three guys who show up, young men, are you hearing me, who show up on the mission field, there are seven, not trying to hook you up. I'm, I'm saying there's a, there's, a, there's, there's a gap there that's not appropriate. It's not okay. It's not okay. That has to change. It's a challenge. It's a challenge. Anyway, they go to the Riverside. Of course, the ladies are there. And a certain woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple, very, very expensive fabric, uh, uh, you know, Neiman Marcus, a, a worshiper of God, was listening, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to the things spoken by Paul. And when she said uh, she and her household had been baptized, she, you know, uh, provided a place for them to stay. So God speaks to, he closes this door, he closes that door, and they go to Philippi, and there's a, gr- a group of women at the, and you know what? Maybe you don't get the sense that the apostles will think, well, we really didn't hear from the Lord. This can't be God. No. They were, they were active. They were, they, whatever was in front of them, they preached the gospel. These women receive it. Uh, uh, Lydia, her, her heart is opened, and, and she becomes the first convert in all of Europe. Fascinating. All because they were just willing to not do what God said, but being open to what the Holy Spirit was saying. Proverbs 16, 9, almost done, says, we make our plans, but the Lord directs our steps. Every man or woman of God that is called in the Bible is busy being a kingdom man or a kingdom woman serving wherever God has planted them. If you want to know God's desire for your life, serve right where you are. And God will make the call when he's ready. Oh, I have to do this. I have to figure this out. I have to. No, you know what? Just chill. Go and serve right where you are. And in the context of that, God will speak. David was doing what when he got called? Taking care of sheep. He wasn't even invited to the party. And he gets the call and he be- he, to become the next king, the sweet psalmist of Israel. And he goes right back to tending sheep, to when he gets the call from the palace, right? Busy being a kingdom man. All right, here's why horizontal planning doesn't work in the long run. Verse 14, James chapter 4, how do you know what, what your life will be like tomorrow? Your life is like a morning fog or a vapor. It's here a little while and it's gone. It's true. We don't know tomorrow. As much as we plan, as much as we think, oh, well, of course we're going to do this next year. You don't know that because nothing is promised to anyone. Number one, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? Number two, tomorrow's circumstances are completely unknown. And life can throw you a knuckleball and change it in a heartbeat. November 2013, 
Thanksgiving Day. Had my mom over our house, had a great Thanksgiving celebration, took her home, drove back to the house, walked in the door, got a phone call from her, not like her. I'm thinking she must have forgot something. She goes, son, I can't move my arm. I don't know what's wrong. Stroke. You never know what a day has. Two years later, she went to go be with Jesus. Life can change in an instant because tomorrow's circumstances are completely unknown. And thirdly, we have no assurance of a long life. Listen, I'm for paying attention to what you eat. I'm for vitamins and supplements. I'm for Zumba class or Roomba class or whatever those things are. I don't do them, but I'm for them. I'm f- Zumba Loomba class. Miss Sharon, if you raise your hand, Miss Sharon. She's the expert. Oh, where's Mel at? Where's Miss Mel? Oh, look at these girls. Y'all stand up. Come on. Now, these are your two experts on Zumba Loomba right here. All right. If you want to sign up for the next Zumba Loomba class, see them. And they will get you, bang, they will. Right? I'm for all that stuff. Right? But here's the reality. There, no one is assured a long life because my life is like the morning fog. And if you're from the ocean, you know what that's like. It's here in the morning and prayerfully gone by 11 o'clock. So you can get some solid beach time without a bunch of clouds. Here's another thing. We have no right to ignore God's will. We don't. Let me get this straight. I'm the coach and you're the player. You're not going to show up? And you go, this is the play I've called and you're going to run that play? You're just going to change it just like that? Because you, you, because you, you think you know what's better for the team than I know? I, I'm going back to Fellowship of Christian Athletes after Thanksgiving, and they want me to talk to the, to the boys about sexuality. <laughs> oh, yeah. Don't tell them that's the topic. They won't come. But we will have tacos. But that's not the key. That's not the, the, the core issue of what I need to talk to them about. Because I want to talk to them about authority. Because every person in that room understands authority. That's what I want to talk to them about. Authority. Okay. So. James says, verse 15, what you ought to say is, if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or that. Paul lived by this principle. He says in Acts chapter 18, verse 21, I will return again to you, God willing. 1 Corinthians 4, 19, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. 1 Corinthians 16, 7, I hope to stay a while with you if the Lord permits. So, so, so he lived by this principle. Verse 16 says, but as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil, therefore... To one who knows the right thing to do and does not do it, to him it is sin. 
Anytime we fail to do what we know is right, it is sin. But the context here is that the right thing or the good thing is including God in your purposes and your plans. So it is sin to not include him somehow. Okay? So, uh, to leave God out is sinful. How do we include him? First and foremost, know him. Follow him. Love him. Be intimate. First and foremost, See, we might be all worried about what God wants us to do and the whole time God is saying, my son, I just want to know you. My daughter, I just, I just, I want your heart. We'll get to that. But let's, let's get together first. Know him. Secondly, purpose in your heart to submit to him no matter what. And that's not easy. It's not easy. But it's a purpose of the heart. Number three, ask for his direction. And then fourthly, surrender the results. Okay, God, it's what I believe. Paul and Silas. Okay, let's surrender the results because this ain't opening. Let's go this way. No, Lord, no, we must. Uh, you know what? Nah, that's not open either. Ah, Philippi. He didn't get the Macedonian call until he was headed in that direction. Isn't that interesting? All right, here's the questions you can ask yourself. What kinds of plans are you making today, and do they include God? What kinds of plans are you making today, and do they include God? Get God's perspective. Well, I keep asking, but he's not answering. Keep asking. Keep asking. There's an infinite number of ways he can speak. Secondly, don't stress trying to find out his will for your life because his will will find you. Don't stress. He's within you, causing you both to will and to do his good pleasure. You'll get there. Will you you stumble along the way? Yes. Will you have times where you have no idea what God's up to in your life? Absolutely. Even Paul the Apostle didn't know what God was up to at times. So it's okay. It's part of the journey. It's part of learning and growing and stumbling and going, well, that obviously wasn't his will. All right, get up. Go another direction. Let's try south. Right? Okay, this didn't work for us. It's all right. It doesn't mean you failed. It just means you're growing. Now, if you know that's not the way to go, well, then don't go there. That's a whole other issue. That's a whole other issue. Now, here's the last thing I'll leave you with, and we're going to have a time of prayer for those who need prayer. Um, In the back, we have some material for those of you who want to know more about a personal relationship with Jesus. It's what it's all about. That's why we do this. This is why we do this. Uh, We want people to to grow in their relationship with God. We want you to know him and we've, we'll have some people of prayer up here as we end. You just might, maybe you just want to agree with someone. Maybe you want, need some prayer. Maybe you might want to call the office this week and get some counseling. We're here for you. We're here for you because we want to we wanna lead you into the authentic growing relationship. We want you to grow close to him and close to each other. 
So the last thing I'll leave you with is this. Live each day in light of Psalm 90 verse 12, which says, so teach us to number our days that we may cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom. Understand the clock is ticking for all of us. It's counting down. And we know that that day will come and that time will come. But let's, let's, let's treasure the days we have. Let's, let's choose to honor him any way we can. And let's include him in our life and our decisions, the big ones, the small ones. Okay, again, Tuesday tacos, Wednesday burritos. Okay, whatever. Okay, that's what I'm talking about, right? But there might be times where the Lord says, I don't want you to go there. I want you to go here. Because there's a divine appointment I have for you. See, because we're walking in his spirit. We're open to that. Does that make sense? Let's all stand up and pray. Jesus, thank you for your time with us this morning. Father, we admit that we need your grace and your mercy. We, we want to live life understanding that every day is a gift. And since you are the creator of life and you're the one who gives and the one who takes away, we want to be good stewards of the times that you have given us, Lord. For anybody who maybe has never heard the message of the gospel, it is that, it is that God loves you. And he sent his son, Jesus, to live the perfect life that you and I can't live. And as a result of that, Jesus lived, died, and rose from the grave and is seated at the right hand of God, the position of authority in heaven. And if we would embrace and receive Jesus, all of our sins would be forgiven. Maybe you would say, yeah, I've, I've really, really made a lot of choices without God. I don't know how God could love me or still want me. That's what he says. And that today, if you would receive Jesus, maybe for the first time, and say, yeah, that's me, Pastor. I, I recognize, I realize that I need that. And would you lift up your hand? I want to pray with you if you're here and you're just in agreement just lift it up high so I can see it. Maybe you've never really embraced this relationship before, but today you would say, yeah, that's me. That's me. Maybe you need to come back to him. He, he stands at the door waiting to receive you. And so, God, you're the God of all creation. You're the God who <clears throat> loves. One of your taglines or names is your omnibenevolent. You're full of love and mercy and kindness. And your grace is sufficient for all things. And so, Jesus, you're the focus. You're the star of the kingdom. All, all eyes are on you, Jesus. Now, may you bless us and walk with us this week. And would you teach us to number our days that we might cultivate and bring to, your, to you a heart of wisdom. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Would you give the Lord a hand clap this morning?